Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 138 of the podcast. My name is Carrie Newhoff, and I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. And hey, guys, something really cool happened uh, just yesterday, actually. Do you know what happened? This podcast passed 3 million downloads. Yeah, that's like that's like unbelievable. We just celebrated two. Here we are a few months later with three. And you know why that is? It's because of you. It's because you guys, um, man, you share it, you comment on it, you like it on social media, you tell your team and your friends about it. And uh, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just so excited. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep doing this. How does that sound? We'll just bring you great quality guests like today's guests. And uh, you guys just keep being awesome because that's what you are. And man, I'll tell you, we're not having like a particular celebration right now because things are growing so quickly. But when we hit 5 million, oh my gosh, we are going to have a party. We're going to have an amazing time together and you will be the beneficiary of that. So I just wanted to start by saying thank you. And uh, how about this? How about I have a conversation with Bob and Maria Goff today to celebrate? Um, a lot of you know Bob and Maria. They are incredible people. And um, Bob wrote Love Does. Maria has a brand new book called Love Lives Here. And I thought it would be a lot of fun because a lot of you know like Bob's story about like literally saving the world and setting the captives free and doing the crazy things he does. Um, I thought I'd talk to them about being a couple because at the end of the day when we're leaders, guess what? We all go home and it's the people who are closest to us that we hope will love us the most. And they've got a fascinating story. And of course, we're going to get into some of the other stuff as well, including, um, well, how they spend their leisure time. So I think you're really going to enjoy that. And I hope this will inspire you to live differently. Man, I know one of the challenges we all have is we all face time crunches, right? So I've got like a pretty exciting announcement to share with you. Guess what's coming back? Starting, are you ready for this? In just a couple of weeks, like on May 15th, we are going to reopen the High Impact Leader course for new registrations for just a few days. So I am so excited to do this. And the High Impact Leader course is really, people ask me, number one question I get is like, how do you get everything done that you get done? And uh, last year, I wrote it all down and it became the High Impact Leader course. And it's not about me, it's actually about you and how you can get time, energy, and priorities working in your favor. So now at this point, because we released it for the first time uh, at New Year's, we have alumni. And so I wanna share a little bit about what uh, people have said so far. Pam from Red Rock Church said, this is a game changer. Dave Campbell, who's a pastor, said, wow, just wow, thank you. The High Impact Leader course has helped me in a ton of ways. I feel so, so, so much more freedom. And I got this really cool um, note from a guy named Chris Sloan, who said, Carrie, I don't know whether you'll read this, but I'm sure someone will. Thank you so much for the High Impact Leader course. A lot of books and programs make big promises, cannot deliver but this is not one of them. I've read so many books and watched so many videos on productivity, but the way you approach it and teach it is helpful, and it changed my work week in ministry in amazing ways. I get my best work done when I'm at my best, and my team and my family, that's the part I'm so passionate about, all benefit from that. Thank you and your team. Uh, your course 
is making an impact. Chris, thanks so much for that. And I would just love for you guys to get in on that. So what you can do is go to the highimpactleader.com today and jump on the waiting list and we will let you know all about it when it opens up. And it's going to be open for a few days starting May 15th. Then we're going to close registration. So uh, man, I would love for you to get in on the High Impact Leader course. Also want to let you know about something really exciting. Do you know Trained Up has a brand new approach and a brand new website? They've been a partner with us for a little while, but I want you today to go to trainedup.church, just trainedup.church, because they have completely expanded and revamped what they offer churches. So what they do is they try to solve the problem of like, how do you actually train your people? How do you train your volunteers? It's tough. So here's what's new. You get unlimited access to their library of professional training videos for, get this, topics covering like children's ministry, youth ministry, greater ministry, small groups, special needs, even safety and emergency training. Like, let's be honest, who wants to train that? Well, they did it for you. And you can just show your team those videos. So you don't even have to do it. They've done it for you. Of course, as always, you can record your own videos and let your volunteers get trained via their platform. But here's something really cool. Some of you are like, yeah, I've heard you talk about trained up, but like, we don't have any money. We don't even have cameras. All we have is our phones. Well, listen to this. If you want to get a little more pro, they have a pay-as-you-go video production service that gives you, as a church leader, access to their professional production team. You get high-quality videos, script writing. You get shooting, editing, and a whole lot more all done to your trained-up account just for you. That's a 100% done-for-you custom training video course and it's all brand new. So go to trainedup.church, check them out today, and thank you, Trained Up, for your partnership with this podcast because it allows us to do this every single Tuesday. Uh, so make sure you show them some love. Well, we're going to jump right into uh, my conversation with Bob and Maria Goff. And as always, if you want more information, you can go to the show notes, just leadlikeneverbefore.com and click on blog or search out Bob and Maria Goff. You'll find them right there. Here we go. Here's my conversation. Well, Bob and Maria, this is going to be so much fun. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad to have you both. Yeah, thanks Thank for you. having us on. This is terrific. This is fun. Yeah. Thank you. So you guys have been married for, is it like close to three decades now? And yeah. <laughs> we, we passed that run in 30 years, seven months, 19 days. <laughs> he keeps track. <laughs> That's amazing. You guys have had a, a fascinating life so far. And Maria, in your book, Love Lives Here, you talk about the differences between you and Bob. And you guys, I think you you would describe yourselves as kind of opposites. What have been some keys for you? First of all, explain what does that mean, opposites? And then yeah. how do you make opposites work over three decades? <laughs> yeah, that that's a trick. But, you know, I don't think that we're alone in that. I think that most most relationships are a combination of people that have different wiring. And Bob yeah. and I definitely fit that mold a lot. I think um, when we first got married, that was like the attraction was our differences. But then as time goes on, you know, I, I tend to want to compare like, wow, he's just so adventuresome and I'm not. And, yeah. you know, he can do crazy things and I get a little more, you know, cautious. And so for us, we didn't know everything, but we knew enough. And the things that we had in common outweighed the things that were different. So we both knew that, you know, that we loved each other and we loved God and we really had a desire to raise a family that felt a little different than the ones that we came from. And mm -hmm. so that's how we started 30 years ago. Gosh, it's, time goes by so fast. I think yeah. one of the things that I've noticed too in uh, relationships is you get to decide, like, do you want to build consensus about everything or do you want to build a kingdom? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, sometimes uh, we get so wrapped around the axle 
trying to uh, build consensus among even the people you work with or your friends and all that. You just never get about doing what you think you were made to do. And then constantly mm-hmm. having that change. Like, so, you know, I'm a lawyer by training, but I don't do much law. I'm a, I'm a, a pretty happy guy, mm-hmm. uh, but I deal with like, uh, you know, very difficult issues too and conflicts. And so that idea to not think of yourself as like, this is your lane and people use words like brand and all that jazz. Mm -hmm. Nobody would know what you're, you talked to a cattle rancher a little while ago. He would think that's on the back steer. Um, (laughs) What I want to do is just to say, who is it that God has made uh, Marie and I to be? And then the more important question is who are we turning into? And yeah, yeah, because I think a lot of times in marriages, you get so stuck in the past that you're not looking forward. When I drive around uh, this car of ours, uh, I look in the rearview mirror and I think that's for combing my hair. <laughs> <laughs> that's about all it does. But Maria, in your book, you talk pretty honestly, like, you know, you're kind of a homebody. You love to be at home. You love order, structure, predictability, if I'm reading that right. Yeah. Bob's flying into places where he ends up in jail or, you know, almost the prime minister or yeah. uh, their bombs going off and he's got to wear bulletproof vests. And that is, I, I mean, apart from Bob, that would never be part of your life. So how do you navigate that? How do you and, and you talk about the comparison trap in your yeah. book as well, that sometimes that can make you feel like I don't really I'm not really that exciting compared to this, you know, crazy guy I married. Yeah, yeah. So so it's for, we were talking about branding. I, I was able to uh, identify that what Bob does is he wakes up in the morning and the first thing he thinks of is how can I make the world a better place? How can mm. I go do something that will change the world to make it better? And I wake up and I survey my immediate surroundings and think, I'm in charge of Homeland Security. What can I do to make things better here? So he changes the world. I'm Homeland Security. So, uh, you know, I'm very clear about that. And because I I respect his role and he respects mine, then we just end up um, supporting each other in that. And we're not trying to change. I'm not trying to make him more like me. And he's not trying to change me into more like him. We're each trying to be more like Jesus. So really, that's that's our job is just to take care of our own stuff and nurture our own wiring and, and live into that as time goes on. And, and this is the result of that is that Bob continues to grow into who he's wired and becoming. And I'm trying to do the same thing. And it's so far it's working out in a funny little way. We, we end up being a little bit more like each other anyway. Like I'm (laughs) much more adventuresome than I normally would be. And, and he appreciates the value of staying home and resting and being, being, you know, with a puppy that we have. I don't yeah. know hear you have him, a puppy on your lap, right? <laughs> Abby joined the family this week, which is great. Yeah. Yes. Uh, my, my new rebel child mm-hmm. <laughs> is going to get into all kinds of mischief, which I like. Uh, that would be my love language. There's somebody that wrote a book said there's five of them. Mm-hmm. I think number six is mischief. <laughs> it's just kind of like the right kind of mischief. And, uh, and that's where we get steered wrong. Sometimes you, have a beautiful idea about what your life might be and then you take a couple hits along the way and then you get into the wrong kind of mischief instead of the right kind and you could look to uh, matthew 25 just hungry people thirsty people sick people strange people naked people and people in jail Mm -hmm. that would be like great examples of the right kind of mischief to get into like Mm -hmm. fine people 
who you don't understand or who creep you out a little bit and uh, and then just engage them. And uh, part of what drives me is that idea that I've spent my whole life avoiding all these people that Jesus spent his whole life engaging. Mm-hmm. And so for wow. some people, it'll be moving across the street and somebody mm-hmm. else will be moving across an ocean. But to Maria's point, that idea of to just see who it is that God is tr- continually turning you into the best a compliment you could give her give to me is to tell me I'm a moving target. <laughs> I want to be that guy. Like you gotta, you gotta change. If, yeah. if nothing changes, this idea of being a new creation is just something at Family Christian Bookstore on a plaque. Yeah. And we want to actually make that something in our lives where we actually are constantly changing. And yeah. uh, man, I, ju- I would just hope you know we'd see each other every couple of years and barely recognize each other. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, you've changed. I'm like, I know, right? <laughs> see, I I think that's amazing and you guys seem to be really great with your differences. I think on both sides. And I'm sure there've been flashpoints from time to time, but how did was that natural for you? Like it seems like a lot of couples spend decades trying to get there and maybe sometimes don't arrive there. Was that a natural thing for you? Was that something you had to work on? How did that work in the context of your relationship? Yeah, I think to be honest with you, Carrie, in the beginning, I really thought that when we got married and became one, that we would become mm. me. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah. And so it didn't take long for me to realize that that was not going to happen, nor should it happen. So I just, I kind of stopped that fight. Like why, why arm wrestle that one when in fact, Bob is happier being Bob and I'm happier being me. So, you know, he does have to put on a bulletproof vest from time to time, which I'm not too thrilled about. Um, But then, you know, like every once in a while, I have to get the tool belt on. I need to fix things around the house, but I'm happy to do things here and he's happier when he's doing things around the world. So, um, and the concept too that we're not um, like some marriages feel like you're either roommates at one um, end of the spectrum or business partners at the other mm-hmm. end of the spectrum. And um, and I just don't think I want to be a business partner with Sweet Maria. You know, if I was going to yeah. pick a business partner, I'd get pick Apple. <laughs> you get a <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> But because I pick Maria, I get a life out of the deal. You know, I just get um, because I can run around and then I have a home to return to. And so we each just decide there was that uh, beautiful quote in that uh, Stephen Jobs movie uh, that the uh, the musician plays the instrument and the conductor plays the orchestra. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that idea that to think that we're not just a bunch of soloists that happen to be in the same place and happen to have wedding rings, but that we're mm-hmm. a symphony together. Mm-hmm. And to say, if I'm on the kettle drums and kettle drums aren't uh, better than the piccolo mm-hmm. uh, and the piccolo isn't better than the violin, it's just, they're different. Mm-hmm. And so figure out and play your notes, figure out who God made you to be, mm-hmm. uh, constantly change it up. Like you got to continue to flip the sheet music uh-huh. uh, and then play the tune that God's got for you. Any Tells us what the tune is. Hungry mm-hmm. people, thirsty people, sick people, strange people, naked people, and people yeah. in jail. Yeah. Uh, and we didn't have, you know, once the kids grew up, we didn't have a lot of naked people around here. <laughs> but a lot of people that are just uh, feeling so lonely and isolated and all that across the street from you, across the street from us. So we just try to think together. Can we think of 
practical ways to engage them. And I think that brings us closer as a couple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did you get to that place, Bob? Because I mean, is it construction lean law that you founded your firm <laughs> on? I mean, that is a long way from hungry people, broken people, <laughs> naked people, <laughs> imprisoned people. Yeah. yeah, I was a construction lawyer, I think for 30 years. And I didn't do it because yeah. Jesus was a carpenter. <laughs> I did it because it just takes forever for that pig to get through the snake. So I could be in Uganda uh, for five years while we we're waiting to try the case. Um, and it wouldn't matter. Um, I could be anywhere if I had a a phone and then a little at a time, you know, we just continue to morph into the next version. I didn't think, uh, you know, I would be any good at writing a book until I started practicing spelling words. (laughs) 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 It's It's like every word is spelled differently. It kills me. It's so weird. (laughs) Yeah. So one of the things that you do is to explore things. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, get a canvas out and start painting a painting. But if I did, the first thing I, I would do wouldn't be to cut off my ear. It would be to find somebody who's really good at it and to say, um, you know, what are a couple tips? What are the things you've found that uh, have worked? And the people that give advice um, uh, are, are they're easy to find, but I want to find people in my life that make observations. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. so as lawyers, I know you have a background in law too. Like people ask you, what's your advice? And I don't think I've given anybody advice in 30 years, <laughs> but I, but I make some observations. Like this is the things I've seen in my life and other people's lives. And that actually can be meaningful because, um, yeah, everybody's got an opinion. Um, but what I want to do is say, here's a friend, mm-hmm. um, right. here's a friend that's taught me about this and that. And one of my friends, one of my go-to people, Sweet Maria. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where did she's, Sweet Maria like, come from? Everywhere you write, it's Sweet Maria. What's the story so, behind that? He's so smart. So he, he gave me this nickname. I don't know. It's been about five or six years now. Yeah, it's it's been there Um uh, and it's become this thing I need to live up to because I don't know <laughs> feel sweet. <laughs> and I think he did it on purpose. But he thinks that he's when he sees me, he thinks of uh, that as being a good nickname for me. And um, and it just stuck. And he wrote about it in Love Does. He, he When he refers to me yeah. in his book, he called me Sweet Maria. And that's when it really became something, not just that he said at home, but that people on the street would, you know, refer to me as Sweet Maria. So And you come by it honestly. I mean, Jesus was always giving nicknames names to his friends. Yeah. Uh, we have a mm-hmm. person that uh, I work with. Uh, she changed her name a couple weeks ago. She literally, she changed it from Deborah to Day. <laughs> you know why? Yeah. Because. <laughs> Just because? Just because? Yeah. Isn't that awesome? So yeah. like that idea, that idea, yeah. sometimes it takes kind of speaking into, and I'm not saying like stare at the mirror and give yourself all these positive affirmations, but instead to say who it is, who is it that God is turning me into a little bit at a time? And what are the next steps? Not all the steps, but what are the next steps I can take to become that person? A guy like me, my problem is that I talk a lot about the guy I wish I was rather than the man that I actually am. And so there's a big difference. Like I just think aspirationally when I, I make videos now for, you know, one thing or another. And in the old days, they used to have those little clickers, you know, they would click it down. And it makes a little spike in the audio track. And the reason they do that is to sync up the audio with the video, right? Right. So your lips are moving and the audio tracks it. And so now it's just a little easier to clap your hands, right? You just clap your hands and it makes a little spike in the audio. When I'm speaking somewhere 
and I find myself talking about the guy that I wish I was rather than the man that I actually am, <laughs> I actually stop and clap my hands. I'm like, buddy, sink it <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah. And sink I it up. Yeah. I know. That's like Ananias' problem. He's like, I'm giving it all away. I'm giving it all away. I'm giving <laughs> right. it all away. And then they're like, what do you got there? He's like, all of it. I think he was just one clap of the hands away from getting it right. He should have just <laughs> said, that's the guy I want to be. And he's more generous than I've ever been. He gave almost everything away. And so um, to just sync it up a little bit. And mm-hmm. I think in no better place to have that happen than in your marriages and your close yeah. friendships, mm-hmm. um, because there's no room for faking it because they know who you are. They know uh, they're completely uh, unimpressed by titles and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, but to just delight in who the other person is becoming. I see sweet Maria and I'm not trying to like talk her into it by calling her that. I just know who she is. Uh, like I, I see you girl and she is. Everybody calls her the milkman, the post office. Everybody's. Yeah. Yeah. You know, trying to sync up can be hard sometimes if you're just really not clear about who you are right now. And, and one of the things that has helped me in our relationship is, um, is to think of Bob as who he was when he was eight years old. Because then he's no longer the enemy. If we're not agreeing on something, if we're not seeing eye to eye, you know, the, the it's not the better angel in my head that's telling me, you know, he's the enemy. It's the other one. And so I, to the antidote to that is for me to just stop and, and remember Bob is still in a lot of ways that eight-year-old, that innocent uh full of ideas and wonder and uh, wanting to do good in the world and being a good person. And I have a picture of him when he was eight years old, get it out and I'll look at it. And it really diffuses that voice that wants to make him the enemy. And it gets me focused back on who he really is. Can you describe that picture? Because that was a powerful metaphor in your book about, and it's just this random shot of Bob, but he's doing something in that picture. So talk about that. Yeah, he's uh, eight years old, leaning up against a tree trunk, and he's reading Dr. Doolittle, and he's engrossed uh-huh. in the book, and the capture of it, the the photo just captures him just with all of that wonder. You know, redhead, freckle-faced kid reading a book. It might have been the only book he ever read when he was little, <laughs> mm. but he was he was engrossed and he was into it. And, and, uh, it just reminds me that he's still in a lot of ways, that same little boy. We all Mm. are. Yeah. I still think animals can talk, (laughs) (laughs) but but that's that idea of whimsy and you can have it in your uh, relationships and your friendships. Um, and a simple way to do it rather than coming up with a bunch of steps, um, just have more things in common. Um, You know, steps are for staircases. What I want to do is have things in common in our marriage and to say, so for instance, I'll give you an example. Like, uh, I bet it's been two and a half years ago that I sold my car. And so we've been just driving around in the same suburban. We used to drop the kids off. (laughs) But I could probably scrape together enough money for a Prius. And I'm not trying to go green. What I'm trying to do is have one more thing in common uh, with the person I love. And so, oh, so you have one car and you share it. Yeah, it's yeah, awesome. Yeah. So what if you just say, we just want to have more things in common? Literally, if Maria wanted to make pizzas, I'd grow tomatoes. <laughs> right. It, whatever it is, find the same thing with your kids. And literally, you yeah. can go down the roll call and say, okay, 
what's Lindsay up to right now? And is there any way I could have one more thing in common with her or support mm -hmm. that or mm -hmm. fan the flames of it? And Richard and Adam. And, mm -hmm. and if you just really do a kind of a roll call, but we get going super fast and it doesn't come from a mean place. It's just that you're super busy. I was telling you before we uh, started today how outside our backyard uh, is this huge dredging barge. It's the yeah. size of football field and it's got a crane and this big scooper and what they're doing is they're pulling the sand that's accumulated over the bay uh in the bay they're pulling it out and uh, that's what happens i think in our lives so we just get shallower and shallower it doesn't come from a bad place it just happens over time and one of the benefits of having things in common having your faith in common having experiences in common is it's like dredging it mm -hmm. just makes yeah. you deeper again and mm -hmm. then people get to navigate that the people that you love maybe people that are listening in you don't have all the answers you just have a bunch of observations to say the one thing i saw in this person was this and it really intrigued me mm -hmm. and just be curious about everything yeah. cuz that 8 year old version of bob yeah. he was curious about everything <laughs> <laughs> The, the eight-year-old version of Carrie was too, and Sweet Maria, oh, yeah. all that. So kind of like think of who you are right now, and then think of who you're becoming, and think about that eight-year-old version of you. And I think the all three of you together make one really well-adjusted person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I think I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to get an eight-year-old picture of my wife and put it on my desk. I think that yeah. is a great challenge because you think about the wonder and the joy and the delight. Let me, if I can, I want to ask you guys, you know, and, and Maria will talk about um, what you share in the book in, a, in, in just a second. But Bob, when you think of, you say, you know, okay, I want to sync up, right? I've got to call that time out and say, okay, this is who I want to be, but this is who I am. I think a lot of people who know you and a lot of the leaders listening would know you would say, yeah, that struggle doesn't seem very real. Like, man, you've done more with your little finger than most of us will do with our entire lives. So where where does the sync up? Where has it been for you? Where are those points where you've sort of called yourself to attention? And then when you think about Bob today, where do you wish there was more of a, of a, a, a sync up in, in your life, if I can ask you that? Yeah, one of the things, uh, and with this idea of who are we, who are we becoming, is knowing what we want. And that's out of Mark 10, um, that Jesus goes to a guy that's standing at, at the uh, gate and he's yelling out to everybody who passes by, I'm blind, I'm blind, I'm blind. <laughs> and Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? <laughs> I can just see the guy pointing to his eyes. I'm like, I'm blind, I'm blind. <laughs> I don't think Jesus was confused about it. I think he wanted to know from this guy, do you know what you want? And so that would be just a great question for uh, your listeners to ask. Like, mm -hmm. what do you want? Yeah. And if you want a Porsche, just get it out there. I want a Porsche. <laughs> right, I want a Porsche. Just, get it out there. <laughs> just but but to just get real with what you want. And so I would say what I want is to have a couple generations um, that all have their eye fixed on Jesus, mm -hmm. and that we're just pulling behind each other. And so. Um, we schedule things nine months in one day in the future. I don't have anything okay. to do with it, but somebody, <laughs> because I'm one sonogram away from becoming who I want to be. <laughs> <laughs> That's fascinating. Uh, yeah. Oh I told God. the kids, you make one or I'm going to make one, you know, yeah. like, come on, like, let's do this thing. <laughs> so we got a puppy. Yeah, so we so got a puppy. Hint, 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 nudge, nudge, wink, little, wink, still waiting. Little, 
Uh placeholder. Yeah. Yeah. I have Uh these little cars for it to drive. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things is knowing what you want. And that idea of syncing up constantly is the question that's a a real one to ask, which Mm -hmm. is, what do you want? And then what are things that you're doing right now to make sure that you get there, that you don't get shallower over time like our bay, um, that you don't get so busy that you don't get to the important stuff? Um, I spent my whole life doing these things that worked and what I'm trying to do is things that last because mm-hmm. uh, mm. pet rocks, those worked for a while until everybody <laughs> figured out they're paying 35 yeah. bucks for a rock. Yeah. So they yeah. didn't last. And so you could think of that. And most, for most of us, it'll come back to the relationships that we hold the dearest and um, like what will actually outlast us. And so mm-hmm. I have difficulty, um, being in the moment, like, like right mm. now, because I get like ADD boy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, ah. so the people that help me, they just tell me what I'm doing today, tomorrow, and the next day. Isn't that beautiful? Right. That so is beautiful. Becky and the other day, like literally they will not say what I'm doing more than today, tomorrow, and the next day. And that keeps it really present. The sweet Maria and I will play catch sometimes when we're talking just because is I can just only speak for every man on earth, uh, but we get like we can be in proximity to the people around us, but yeah. not actually present with them. Yeah. And so yeah. if you're uh, playing catch with a hardball, like you, you answer your yeah. phone, you'll lose a couple of teeth. Yeah. That idea of just knowing what you want. I want to be present. I want to be uh, a part of this multi-generational thing. And so the way to do it is to only schedule things nine months in a day out, only know what I'm doing today, tomorrow, and the next day, mm-hmm. quit something every Thursday. Cause that makes sense. Like right. I have, it does. Uh, yeah. Pants pockets like you do. I have no left pockets in any of my pants. I'm not kidding. Really? Like, I do. Yeah. yeah I I've cut. tried to sew them. Isn't and that awesome? Won't let me. Yeah. yeah. I cut them all out <laughs> uh, because I like, I think our faith is the sum of everything we're hanging on to and everything we're willing to let go of. And so what I do oftentimes is just say, is that a right pocket thing or a left pocket thing? If somebody hurts my feelings to say, you know what, instead of hanging on to it in my right pocket, I just put it in my left pocket. You won't even know it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> it's like my car keys. I've taken cabs home a dozen times. But that's that idea. <laughs> like in the Old Testament, I don't think they stacked rocks because they didn't have any paper. I think they wanted people to remember. Like they, right. God showed up here, these things that that's Deuteronomy to bind it on your forehead, put it as frontals, put it on your wrist. Like when you wake up in the morning, when you lay down to rest, think of the things that God has done. And so Maria is a constant uh, source of uh, a reminder of who we are as a family and what we want. And not because she legislates it. She's just a beautiful, like uh, a reminder yeah, it's they they talk in scripture about the Jerome of Christ, but it just looks a lot like Maria Aww. to me. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. We have that recorded, right? We do, we do. I've got the audio and the video, so I will uh, <laughs> we'll make sure you get the link, Maria. Bob, Thanks. it's interesting. When you think about things that work versus things that last, very challenging paradigm. I think the last time we ran into each other in person, I think you were telling me that you were in the process of being decertified from practicing law in numerous states, and there were only a couple that you could still legally practice law in, right? Because you, yeah. And and is that part of the thing? It's like the law is something that worked that enabled other things, and now you know you're in Uganda, you're in India, you're in Congo, you're you're all over the world, you're in the Middle East, you're landing in Iraq in a war zone, those sorts of things to try to make a difference. 
Yeah, isn't well, that crazy how the things yeah. that we put such high values on at one time, you spend all this money and get a law degree and then I get licensed in four or five states and take their bar exams. And then it like I get the bill, it's like a hundred bucks to keep it alive. I'm like, nah. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> and that's a hundred bucks. I could get like five burgers at In and Out for that. <laughs> that's great. Well, Maria, you've overcome and you're pretty transparent in your book, Love Lives Here, about uh, some of the struggles. I mean, you kind of came into it with some disadvantages. When you met Bob, you were battling yeah. an eating disorder, um, among other things. And you talk about tough relationship with your parents, overcoming dyslexia as a kid and, and some physical challenges. Uh, talk a little bit about that and how that shaped your story and how how have you overcome that resistance to you know, end up smiling through this life that God has given you? That's a great question. I think uh, it was so interesting how our marriage has been one of the greatest things to come along in my life. And Mm. the road hasn't been easy. But when we met, I was fresh out of rehab with a warrant out for my arrest. So I don't (laughs) think I could have. That's so awesome. I know. That is great been at rock bottom even deeper. Like it was just, that was the bad part, but it was right when things were starting to turn up for me. And, um, and that's when Bob came along. And I, and I feel like that is like a a pivotal point in my life. And everything before that was probably preparing me for everything that would come. And I've actually leaned a lot on some of the harder things that I've gone through as a, as a point of passion for making things different. You know, as Hmm. for me and my house, for this day forward, I want things to be different. And Bob and I weren't raised in uh, homes where faith was a big deal. But for us, when we talked about having a family, you know, that was going to be, you know, one of those foundational stones. And uh, we started building on top of that. So I think all of us have hard things in life that we go through. It's just part of life. But what we do with those, I think, becomes the better story. So Mm -hmm. that's how I was able to, you know, sit down and spend two and a half years, you know, recalling some of these things and not having them be the focal point or, or kind of the spotlight of, um, the bigger story, but to have them just kind of pepper some of the things that I think are more important, yeah. our marriage and our faith and what we've done to work hard for them, the sacrifices that we've made. We all run into people, though, who have had um, you know similar experiences to you, maybe not the ideal childhood you were hoping for and had to battle right. through disorders. And I actually, I've met people who have gone through less than what you've gone through and they can't move past it. I mean, they're just stuck there. That pain has become a point that they can't seem to get past. What helped yeah. you move past it? For everybody who feels stuck at a pain point, who's listening, what, what, what's been a key for you to move yeah. you through it? Yeah. I remember a pivotal point for me was when I was pretty sick um, from physically sick, from all the stuff that's gone on in my life and the, the anxieties and the, the, the physical problems that I were ha- was having. And it occurred to me that I may not be able to have children. And that thought is what shook me to my core. And I thought, wow, I, I am made to be a wife and a mom. I, I am sure of that. I might not know a lot of things, but I know I love God. And I know someday I want to be a wife and a mom. And so that was my motivator to get the help that I need to get past all of that. And, 
you know, I started making phone calls. I started looking around, like, who could help me get through it? And um, it wasn't just one thing, but a series of things. It was good counselors. Mm. It was books. It was, you know, growing in my faith, um, surrounding my life with people who kind of spoke that truth back into me. Like, you would be a good wife and a mother. You, your life is worth saving. And God loves you. And will be with you through all of it. And, uh you know, it just, it, it, it also never stops just because I hmm. did all of hard work early yeah. on. Um, I'm still doing hard work and, and maybe you are too. I know I see Bob, oh, you yeah. know, comes, you know, you run up against a wall, you don't need to stop. You've got to figure out how you're going to get over it or under it or blast through it and uh, reach out and, and get the help that you need. The older I get, I have to say, Carrie, the, the quicker I am at asking for help. When I was younger, I let way too much time go by without asking for help. I don't know if that's a pride thing or yeah. just shame yeah. or embarrassment, but I, I didn't know what was out there either. I didn't know what would be available to me. Um, there's great resources in churches um, with counselors and um, clinics and doctor's offices. One of the best things that we ever did as a couple and, and individually, too, was a place in Tennessee called Onsite. I think okay. we've learned the most about growing and um, living into who God has made us to be by not only, you know, embracing who we really are, but taking a look at our family of origin, the one that we grew up mm -hmm. in, and comparing that to the one that we're making now as a couple. And, and to realize that there's a lot of generational sin that just gets passed down without us knowing it. But if we're mm -hmm. intentional about looking at it and calling it for what it is, and then changing it, like identifying it and turning it over and letting it become something else that uh, is more valuable to you. Hmm. That's good. That's good. I really like what uh, you had to say, Maria, about this idea of asking for help more quickly. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. one of the things I've observed in Sweet Maria is that she doesn't over-identify with the most difficult uh, parts in her life. Mm -hmm. Um that can happen too. That's good. You can get yeah. just stuck there mm -hmm. because you're just identifying. You got it on a loop, and mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know if you get mm -hmm. a lot of junk mail at your house, Carrie, but we get it by <laughs> yeah. the book. Yeah. And uh, what I do is just look at the return address on it, and mm -hmm. if it's not from somebody I know, I throw it away. And one of the things that happens to a lot of us is that we spend a lot of time reading the junk mail. Yeah. And it yeah. ain't That's some good. of these the messages about who we were and. All that and part of it, just like syncing up the audio and the video, mm -hmm. is you get to have a soundtrack. <laughs> you yeah. get to if yeah. there's a, if you ever watch a movie and it's kind of like sunset and there's a guy water skiing on this really calm lake, and then the music gets kind of dark and it cuts <laughs> to this log bobbing, <laughs> you know the guy's going to hit the log. Right? <laughs> there's no reason that it got dark without yeah. that. So one of the things to do is that we get to replace some of the soundtracks. We get to mm -hmm. say, and not that it's just all yippee skippy. I, I would probably have a, a, to a fault, I'm more like Tigger. I like just <laughs> right. And they were like, it's all great. <laughs> actually, there's some things that just actually aren't all great. Uh, but you get to decide, you know, uh, that that uh, is who I was. That is not who I am. And it's certainly not who I'm becoming. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that is uh, gives us each a moment of clarity. And oftentimes it, <laughs> it just takes a deep breath, or mm -hmm. if you're really freaking out, get a paper bag and breathe into it for a little bit. <laughs> and 
and then just say, okay, let's let's put on a different track, mm-hmm. um, something that's a little bit uh, more true, and a little bit not just the loudest voices in my life, but the truest voices in my life, and that uh, for each of us, I've seen Maria do that a hundred times, and our whole family is a lot stronger because of that. Um, mm. I'm a better version of me because she was willing to do the heavy lifting in her life. And then she asked me to do things I didn't want to do, which is like go to offline. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Another, yeah, she mentions you, you, weren't, you weren't the first to sign up for counseling too back oh, in the day, yeah. right? No. Yeah. Yeah. Said, Buddy, you've got issues. Actually, she said your issues have issues. Well, and so one- <laughs> I said it nicer than that. I'm sure. <laughs> Sync it up. So one of the things that's uh, beautiful to just say, what if he made it this simple? Just to say, I want to have one more thing in common uh, with sweet Maria. And if she went through this and she think it'd be good for me, then what the heck? You know, we got a car in common. We've got this experience in common. If you could just boil it down to instead of winning all these arguments with one another. And I win arguments for a living. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. But but that idea that we're not trying to be each other and we're not trying to be our biggest, loudest opinion because I and I think that holds true with other people, too. I don't want people to meet all of my opinions. I want them to meet Jesus. And there's a big difference between that, this idea of just finding humble people. And if you happen to be married to them, that's terrific. But if you can find other people in your life that are humble, true voices. Mm. Bob, do you ever have bad days? Oh, heck yeah. Every April 15th. (laughs) Every what? April 15th. Yeah. Tax day. You have a bad day. What we do is, uh, as a family, even when the kids were like the size of trout, we would go down to the post office to mail our taxes in and we'd celebrate. We talked about this festival of first fruits and that Mm. we were explaining to the kids how that works that you give some of your money away to uh, these other people and then they use it for one thing or another. Instead of getting wrapped around the axle with, like, is it getting spin the right place? And is that the right thing? And all that. I just want to talk to the kids about tadpoles and and wonder and what makes fireworks go off and all that. And it's not ignoring all the rest. Hmm. It's just reprioritizing to say, like, compared to watching a tadpole grow legs, uh, it actually just doesn't matter. Uh, some of this <laughs> so it's a that, refocusing. You just yeah, refocus like, when you have a bad day. Well, yeah. you know, you've seen it happen. You you get a paper cut and it's really annoying you or you bite your tongue or your lip or something and it annoys you all day uh, until you meet somebody with leukemia. And then you could just yeah. say there's that moment of clarity. That's why you know, funerals are these moments of clarity. And if, if we didn't have to have something really dramatic happen in our lives to have moments of clarity, yeah. that we could just have those. We're just looking around. If they had a... Uh, a metaphor team in high school, I would have been the captain. Like I'm just yeah. looking at these things and saying, that's a moment of clarity. And I'll send myself, I bet 60 emails a day. And this is an answer to your question about having bad days. I'll just make observations. I won't write down something you said, Carrie, because a month from now I'll think I thought it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what I'll do is if I'm thinking about some the barge and how we get shallower over time or whatever. Yeah. And uh, these aren't for a book. I just... I haven't had a quiet time in 20 years. Mine are super loud. <laughs> um, and what I'll do is I'll take all the things I emailed myself about the day before. I'm <laughs> like literally I open my <laughs> inbox. I'm like him again, block. <laughs> uh, 
But I'll take all of those things I thought about and I'll say, no, they sound right, but are they actually true? And if you, there's a big difference between the two. If you want to hear things that sound right, listen to Tony Robbins. Yeah, right. he's awesome. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, actually a couple of things are true. But what I'm trying to do is listen to Jesus and this idea of comparing what I think against what scripture says. Mm-hmm. And then to say, and the only reason I'll, I'll, you will never see a tweet or an Instagram or something until I vetted it. And I know it's actually true because Paul talked to his younger friend about that. People who tickle other people's ears, mm-hmm. yeah. right? just kind of loose on things. I just want to say true things. And if we mm-hmm. said that that was the standard in our marriages and our friendships, just say things that you mean and say things that are true, then it'll actually shape your bad days. You'll mm-hmm. just say, you just get real with it. Like this mm-hmm. totally stinks. Um, but notwithstanding that, I want to surround myself with some truths. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Let's talk about the lodge. Um, I think a lot of leaders would already know about that, but just uh, your place up in Canada. And again, I, I've said this, I'm so sorry about what happened over the last year to the lodge, but uh, orient people around what that became, what happened to it and what that means for you. Because I've had a lot of friends who who talk about the blessing they had and the incredible time and growth they had when they went up to your lodge. And I just think that's a very special thing that God has done through you for years. Yeah. Yeah. We uh, started building this thing. I think it was 20 years ago and it's all out of logs and each one like kind of hand hewn. And after 22 years of bringing people from different countries up there that were mad at each other and signing peace agreements and Mm -hmm. who were shaping our culture and having them climb under the table and sign their name. Um, we uh, had one last thing to do. We were going to put one last coat of stain on this whole thing. So eight guys were supposed to go up for two months and put the stain on it. These guys were there for two hours and they mm. put two oily rags together, burn it down. It's just wrong. spontaneous combustion. Really? Isn't that uh, nuts? That was a bad day. That yeah, was a Bob bad day. had a bad oh, day. Yeah. And it burned to the ground like there was nothing oh left, gosh. right? It, yeah. it was biblical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even ashes there. Yeah. It just got erased. And we were standing at the uh, foundations of this thing. They uh-huh. just, the last of the flames had gone out. We flew up uh, right away when we heard. And uh, and uh, there was a person that I think was still working on their people skills a little bit. And they said, the reason God did this, Bob, he wanted to show you his power. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted oh, to oh. Yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> what I discovered in all of that was how God is with us through things. He shows us his power through some of those difficult circumstances. And as if it's like this light, you know, a, a torch in a cave for me. And I was able to uncover some things in my own life by going through a trauma from the fire that were very pain. And, you know, I think we all have that. We all have stuff in our life that we think we could just take to the grave and never talk about again. But God has this way of revealing those things in really beautiful ways. And for me, that's what the fire represented. Mm. And I and I knew there was something in my past that I had kept as a deep, dark secret. And the trauma revealed that. And I've hauled myself back to onsite, knowing I had, you know, history with them and they knew the lodge and they were the best people to help me in a very short period of time. And just one simple question from my counselor was, when have you ever not felt safe? 
Um, mm. Because to me, the lodge had felt like my safe place. Yeah. And boy, the tears just came. It was like the gate just opened up and the light shone and I knew what I needed to talk about. And when I was little, I was molested by a relative one time, oh. but my world changed in that moment. And I just kind of left it, you know, hidden. I didn't know who to talk to. I was too little. I didn't know what to do with it. And I didn't have a relationship with my parents where I felt like I could bring something like that up with them. So um, I'm, I'm grateful for that. I, to me, when I think of the fire, it's tremendous loss. Like there were so many memories built into the lodge. It wasn't a vacation home for us. It was this place that we built to serve others. We Mm. wanted to God the glory and help the camp that lives next door um, and 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 serve the people that volunteer there, become like their employee lounge where they could get away from camp yeah. and and rest on their days off so they could go back to pouring into campers and being Jesus's hand and feet to them. And then also expanding that place as uh, uh, somewhere for people that are on the front lines with their faith. And they get beat up and to just invite them to be our guests, to come to a place, mm. secluded place, like Jesus said to his disciples, you know, we've been doing a lot of work, but now we need to go rest. And so this became that place. And uh, that's great. It has a huge legacy and it still does, even after the fire, like it didn't take that away. Um, our, our memories aren't flammable and mm. we will build and we're working yeah. on that now and we're taking the next steps to do that and the coolest part carrie is that when we built it our kids were little and now they're adults and they get a voice in this legacy that we want to pass down from generation to generation and that's been really beautiful to come together as a family as equal partners in this and say okay how how are we going to rebuild what will the lodge mean um for generations to come and Mm. the one of the best heartwarming things for me is to see my kids value the same things that Bob and I value, that we want to serve others. We want to be a good example of Jesus's hands and feet to those who are tired and weary and beaten down and need rest. Um, they need to be in nature. That's always a great way to connect um, with the God of the universe um, is to just be out in nature. And um, so we're going to rebuild. We're going to do the best that we can and um, trust that God has a plan for Lodge 2. <laughs> so nicknaming it. <laughs> well, we'll be cheering for you guys. And I just I just want to let you know, I'm so grateful. There's uh, you've, you've helped a lot of leaders today. And, and thanks for taking us uh, a little bit on a different path, you know, just looking at Bob and Maria as people. And uh, Maria, your new book is called Love Lives Here. And of course, uh, I think a lot of people already know about Love Does, Bob. And uh, we're so excited. Thank you. If there was one little quick, like 10 second piece of advice you could give to the leaders who are listening as we wrap up, what it would be? Just a sound bite. You know, the uh, thing that springs to mind, Carrie, is this idea to not be so hard on yourself. Mm. And just the beauty of grace in our lives. And I think a lot of people that like Jesus a lot, they end up being terribly hard on themselves. And sometimes they're hard on the people around them a little bit. And so one of the things that people ask me all the time is, how's my life working for me? And Mm. my life's terrific for me. But I think a, a better question is this. How is your life working for the people around you? (laughs) Ain't working for them, it ain't working for you. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I think that would be a thought for our extended family. Mm -hmm. And I would say start at home. Start Mm -hmm. start right where you're standing. 
figure out who you are and what matters to you and let the ripple effect, you know, go on from there. You guys are awesome. Online, where's the easiest place to find you guys? Right. Currently, I'm uh, lovelivesherebook.com. Um, gotcha. Sweet Maria Goff on everything else. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm just me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thank you so much. I really appreciate the time that you've invested today and I can't wait for the next adventure. Oh, thanks a million, Carrie. So long. Thanks, guys. Well, isn't that just fun? And isn't that inspiring? You know, my biggest takeaway from um, that interview actually was probably the picture of Bob when he was eight. I've said to my wife, I said, I want I want like a picture of you when you were somewhere between four and 10, because, you know, those days and I have the most amazing wife in history. So I'm, I'm like sometimes the worst husband. But man, I just want to remember the innocence and the joy and the hopes. And on those seasons or moments when I'm frustrated, just to look at that powerful. If you want more uh, show notes are at kerryneuhoff.com slash episode one, three, eight. Or you can just go to leadlikeneverbefore.com and search it out. There's a little search engine in the top right of my blog. And while you're there, click on the High Impact Leader or just go to thehighimpactleader.com and get on the waiting list because we're opening it very, very soon. And I'm very excited about that. So you want to do that. That's coming up in the middle of May, May 15th. So, um, And thanks to everybody who's been so encouraging. Uh, We'll tell you more as the time approaches. And uh, yeah, next week I am back. We are back and uh, we have a brand new episode. So what this one was fun. There's a whole story behind it. I'll tell you uh, next week. But my guest is Andrew Mellon, somebody I had never heard of until I saw an interview with him and Ramit Sethi. And he talked about the power of organization and leadership. Here's an excerpt. Clutter is deferred decisions. So the deferred wow. decisions, the clutter is the manifestation of the deferred decision. So everything that you set down in and of itself might just be an object, but it's the second object that you set down on top of it. That's when clutter begins because you have a story that says, oh, I'm going to put it away. I know right where it goes. I'm just not going to do it in this moment. I'm going to do it. And I'm making air quotes now later, or I'm going to do it someday. But you haven't defined later or someday. You've just defined the clutter that this is a pile of things that you're not going to deal with in the moment. You're going to deal with them perhaps at some undefined future date. And that's the genesis of your of your clutter and your disorganization. Okay, so can I be a little bit honest? All of you guys who are a little bit OCD and anal retentive like me, you are going to love, love, love next week's episode. It was therapeutic for me. And even if you're not, uh, Andrew's got some really challenging things to say. So it's a fun mix. We're back with Andrew Mellon next week. Got a lot of great guests coming up. And if you subscribe, you get it all for free. So thanks for uh, helping us hit 3 million. Here's to four and five. And when we hit five... Man, you guys are going to benefit so much. We're going to celebrate. We're going to throw a listener party, and it's going to be awesome. And uh, we're back next Tuesday with more. Thanks so much for listening. Visit trainedup.church. Thank them for the way that they support us by um, letting them help you train your volunteers. And we'll see you next Tuesday. Hope our time together today has helped you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.